The Song Confessional Podcast is a co-production of KUTE KUTX Studios and Good Taste Society. Hey, this is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... explain to you what we do here at the Song Confessional. We collect recordings of people telling us stories anonymously, right? We call these confessions. We give the confessions to songwriters and bands who write and record an original song based on these anonymous confessions. On this podcast, you're going to hear the anonymous confession, you're going to hear the song it inspired, and you're going to hear an interview with the songwriters who wrote it. I'm sitting here with my favorite illegal firearm. Tell us your name. What's up, guys? I'm Zach. Feels heckin' good to be back. Yeah, we're back. We're here. We have a very exciting song and one of the best confessions uh, we've ever taken. Great story. Great storyteller. It's got all the action, the excitement. It's, it's pretty solid. He's, he's the, as my mom would say unironically, he's the full Monty. <laughs> I love an ironic, unironic mom comment. This is the best. I think my mom is the only woman I've the woman in America who says the full Monty. I think I've met some other right around her age. Like okay. some of my mom's friends probably said that too. I'll believe it. Then. They also all loved that movie. That was like directly targeted for their age group. Was it? See, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah. It was just like middle-aged men stripping, but sexy. <laughs> Speaking of sexy men, the lead singer from Chick, 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 uh, Nick Offer, he's a pretty sexy man. And one of the coolest things about him, besides that they wrote this song for us, uh, is that he just wears normal-ass clothes on stage. It's so refreshing to see someone dancing their fucking ass off in, like, short shorts and a plaid shirt. When when I saw him, I was going to say, does he wear normal clothes? Because I remember seeing them at Utopia Fest eight years ago, at least, probably more, honestly. It was probably ten years ago. Uh, I'm pretty sure I remember leopard shorts and that's it. Okay, but you also told me that when you saw them, you were on mushrooms, acid, cocaine, and various other illegal substances. I never said cocaine. Okay, well, I, it was implied heavily. <laughs> Chick 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 came into our lives uh, because Jim produced one of their records. The record is called Thriller with three exclamation points instead of an I-L-L. It's an f- amazing record. If you don't know their music, in my mind, they're one of the seminal dance punk bands from New York. Yeah, that early 2000s kind of DFA stroke scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not on DFA, and they don't sound like the strokes, but no, they're mentioned but in the, the same, scene, same... From the scene. Exactly. 
Uh, I think their catalog is deeper and better and funkier and groovier than an LCD sound system. Zach, what can we say about this confession? When's the last last time time screwing around around with your your friends friends led to the Secret Secret Service Service knocking on your door? door. Today's Today's confessor confessor tells tells one of the wildest wildest confessions confessions we've ever taken. taken. It's It's funny. funny. It's It's slick. slick. It'll make your palms sweaty. sweaty. And as As Walker's Walker's mom would say, say, it's the full Monty. Confession. I'm going to tell a story about why I am in trouble with the Secret Service and why I'm on a Secret Service watch list right now. This is not active trouble, so I don't think I'm implicating myself here in a thing that's going to be detrimental to my freedom, but here we go. I was a uh, a lift operator at Jackson Hole, Wyoming for one season, and while I was out there, I wanted to buy a gun, and so I did buy a gun. I couldn't buy a gun at a store because they didn't have a Wyoming driver's license, but went into the classifieds and just found guns. Went to a dude's uh, garage, and he opened the garage door, and it was just, there were AK-47s, MAC-10s, Tech-9s, SKS, like full-on, just an armory. It's legal. This is not an illegal thing to do. So I bought an AK-47 from this guy with a bayonet and with a 30-round banana clip. So I was... Had my AK, I was out there shooting cans, shooting rocks, and it's it's legal, it wasn't a problem. Um, I had a disposable camera at the time, so I took a couple pictures of myself with that gun, um, went to get the roll exposed, and when I did, I realized that some of the previous pictures on that roll, most of the roll, was me and my college roommate partying together. We're just, you know, drinking, hanging out, doing stupid college shit, mm-hmm. and there, it's, these pictures were years old. Um, And then there's the pictures of me and an AK-47. On the back of this picture with the AK-47, I decided mistakenly, not mistakenly, but unfortunately, in retrospect, to, I wrote the phrase, Al-Qaeda comes to Jackson Hole on the back of this photo. Yeah. Um, I put, I printed doubles. I kept one set. I sent the other set, mailed them, snail mailed them to my friend. um, And he received these pictures all was well, no problem at all. He got the pictures, it was fine. Um, I'm a troublemaking person, he's a troublemaker too. I'm friends with troublemakers. He had to go to jail like two two years after that. Totally unrelated, he just got drunk and had to go to jail for a month. Um, while he was in jail, on September 11th, 2004, his dad delivered a stack of pictures to jail so that his son would have something to do while he's in jail. The jail people go through it and in the envelope with my name, my return address in Wyoming on it is this picture, Al-Qaeda comes to Jackson Hole. And so uh, the jail people, so Dick Cheney was the sitting vice president at the time and Dick Cheney lives in Jackson Hole. The jail people alerted the Secret Service. The Secret Service showed up at his place and pulled him out of the cell and interrogated him for hours. They sent the Secret Service to my house the next day. And I was like, I was with my mom just being a good son, like helping her move out of the family home. We were moving at the time. So I'm downstairs moving boxes and shit. Heard some kind of commotion upstairs and come upstairs. My mom is in tears, and there's two Secret Service agents, full-on men in black, guns, earpieces, the whole deal. Uh, my mom's just crying, and I'm trying to figure out what in the world is happening here. And it took, you know, it took over an hour for me to finally figure out that what they were doing. Why and they asked they all there. kinds of background, yeah. 
it was like, holy shit, this is because of a picture that I took over two years ago and I finally figured it out, but they had an outrageous amount of information about me, just this huge file full of all my credit card history, my banking history, my phone records, my medical, and it was, it was outrageous. Um, so I had the AK-47 in my closet at the time, and I was fully lying to the Secret Service because they asked me what did I do with the gun. I was like, oh, I sold it. Sold it to who? What? You know, I sold it to somebody. I forget his name. Doesn't matter. Um, they asked me if they could take a look at a prescription bottle. Uh, it was just an antidepressant that I was taking at the time. They wanted to actually see the bottle. If they had walked into my bedroom to get it, they would have walked straight past the AK-47 that I just fully lied to the Secret Service and told them that I had sold. Um, so they start walking towards it, and in a bit of, of quick thinking on my part, I was like, hey guys, would you take off your shoes before, like this, we're, you know, this, this has just been cleaned, please don't walk on the carpets. And they're just like, no, we don't need to, no, you just go get it. And so I ran into my room, grabbed the bottle, closed the closet door where the AK-47 was sitting in plain fucking view. That is slick as fuck. Handed them the <laughs> bottle, and Jesus Christ. And so, dude, and then these guys also, the Secret Service, for some reason, said they were going to be monitoring my communications. I was like, dude, if you're really going to bug my phone, why the fuck would you tell me you're going to do that? But anyway, that's so a, I, that's I called a very valid point. A couple friends and and told them because they had sort of heard through the grapevine that the Secret Service had just been to my house and made my mom cry. And I told them the story. I was like, by the way, the Secret Service is recording this conversation right now, for real. Like they said they were going to do that. And my buddy goes, Oh, well, hey, did they find your AK-47? I was like, dude, no, they did not find that gun because I sold that gun, remember? And he goes, he goes oh, right. Yeah, good call. <laughs> Motherfucker, like, because you can't wink at me through the oh telephone. You're just going to verbalize it and ruin it even worse. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> so you're not, I assume you're not friends with this guy anymore. <laughs> so oh, that's it, man. That's why I'm on a list somewhere. It has not actually come back so to I, me. That in was going to be one of my next questions. It never, it never came back. I mean, like, what about the next time you tried to fly on an airplane or something? Yeah, no, none of that none became, of became problematic. I assume dude, you the fucking out of the country to at some point. I dude, I woke up in Norway yesterday. Yesterday, wow, awesome. Yeah, yeah and I'm here now. Yeah, it's it never has become a problem. Um, it was just it was disconcerting how much information they had about oh. me and how many man hours probably went into sending Secret Service out to Mono County Jail to pull my buddy out of his, right. you know, I mean, like tens of thousands, perhaps more, and, and to taxpayer do all that dollars. research or, on you, and yeah. have all that info afterwards. Like, it was outrageous. But this was also, I mean, the Patriot Act was, yeah, this in, was in the wake of everything. much, much stronger effect at like that time. Said, so they had the resources to do that bullshit. And like you said, you were in Cheney's backyard. I mean, yeah. I misspelled Qaeda, dude. I misspelled, I spelled Al-Qaeda with a U. A-L-Q-U-A-E-A-D-A. -A -A -A. And I knew it looked weird, but I couldn't actually remember how to spell it. That's, did you tell them that? Did you tell the Secret Service, like, look, I misspelled it? Yeah, oh yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. So yes, I did. I was like, dude, I fucking misspelled it. Also, literally, look at the context of the rest of these pictures. Here is me and my friend and a girl in a bikini fucking drinking 
a handle of Jägermeister straight out of the bottle. Like we're idiots and alcoholics. Like I'm, I'm not trying yeah. to harm the president or yeah. the vice president. How like, many pictures of Al Qaeda have you seen drinking Jaeger? You know? Yeah, and dude, there was one of them was literally I, I had taken a, a shit and it was like comically big, and so I took a picture <laughs> of a shit in the toilet, and these guys just straight faced are going through these pictures of a sh of my shit. I was like, dude, look at this in context. I don't. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm an idiot. Like that's the point of these uh, pictures. You, you just might have landed on the best part of this story that government tax dollars went into looking at pictures of your shit. <laughs> yes. That is amazing. <laughs> but that yeah. is like. This is one of the most unique stories we ever had in here, and we've had a lot of wild stories. Well, and now you just, I need i need to print t-shirts that say my shit matters. My shit any, matters. Anybody it asks does. me, why does your shit matter? I'll be like, well, do you have 12 minutes? Because like, you actually paid for, for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a tax-paying citizen of this country? My shit matters to you, too. <laughs> yeah, and, dude, and during the interview, when I, I was trying to keep it a little bit light, I mean, I was fucking nervous. My, mom, my mom's yeah. crying, and in, in an effort for some levity, I was like, hey, dude, I'm, look at the context. I'm a joker. I'm an idiot. This is. I, I pose absolutely no threat. I really want to uh, cooperate with this so you guys can leave me alone and so I can continue looking at pornography without you guys surveilling me. <laughs> exactly. And that, I mean, that's exactly how I said it. Yeah. And just crickets, dude. They looked at me like, I think Couldn't they could tell I was making a joke, but nothing. Dude, they were dead fucking serious. Man. It's like, all right, well. So they never called you again, wrote you another letter, no. followed up in any way, never, no. not once? I mean, I think once I was talking about porn and my own yeah. shit, they were just like... Or they actually started monitoring you. No. <laughs> <laughs> this, guy, this guy was 100% telling us the truth. He doesn't know a damn thing. <laughs> and now here's All I Wanted Was a Photograph by Chick Chick Chick.
just heard all I wanted was a photograph. I'm sitting here with uh, Jim Eno, who produced How's it. How's it going? Uh, uh, I'm pretty good. Yeah. How are you? Good. You produced that song Yeah. many moons ago. It was a while ago, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you were telling me that uh, these guys, well, they were in town, they played a New Year's Eve show. Yeah. And then they stayed and did this with you. And um, Yeah, I've done a, I worked with them before. I did a record with them uh, a long time ago called Thriller. And so these guys are buds of mine. And when I saw that they were playing uh, New Year's Eve, I was like, oh, we got to do this song confessional thing. Yeah. And what do you remember about the session? Uh, Let's see. Just remember um, they came in with, they had taken the confession and cut up a lot of the audio of like the words and things. Which Uh, you hear in the song. Yeah. And they cut it up and created little sound bites and pitched them and all, all that kind of stuff. So we started with, with that, um, sort of the effects and a simple beat. Uh, I remember the drummer was upstairs playing with the uh, 808 to program some of the beats. So then we recorded that. Then he recorded the drum track. And uh, yeah, so, we, so there are live drums on there. Yeah, there are live drums on there. Okay. Yeah. So we, you know, basically started started like that they didn't really have a song so we worked out structure as we went along too um and then mario the guitar player he usually just does a, a bunch of passes and then i sort of edit it together but the vibe i was getting from from the track especially once mario put some guitar on was i wanted it to be like um angular gang of four you know like really aggressive wild and loud guitar so that's what i was getting from his part that's it that's probably my favorite element of the yeah not only did the guitar sound angular and wild but they don't sound like how a normal person would play guitar i know it doesn't sound right yeah it sounds wild it's very wild <laughs> yeah. guitar yeah it, it it's something about the guitars and in, in the track are fit the confession mm-hmm. the most it feels like some crazy spy theme yeah totally yeah yeah. Like yep. it, yeah we we talk about chick 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 or when in my interview with nick we discuss how they usually make songs together and how it's changed and uh it sounds like they have no set way yeah it's always different it's yeah. always different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i thought it was cool they just you know picked out these certain inflections in the confession and made hooks out of those. I, I remember I stopped by while y'all were working and th- 
the band was in various parts of the studio doing yeah. things and I went up there and they were really deep in their work and I was like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? And they're like, uh, fine. You know, they were, didn't really want to talk. And I just remember Nick saying, this is a hard thing to write a song about. Yeah. Right. And I was like, all right, well, I got to go. <laughs> Bye. Good <laughs> right. luck. Yeah. yeah. But we actually talk about that and a lot more in the interview you're about to hear. Interview. Interview. Okay. Yeah, you can. Sorry, you can. T- I'm just recording our conversation using Zoom. Okay, yeah. I was like, oh shit, I ran to get a shirt because I was like, I didn't realize <laughs> I like a thing. <laughs> no, you're good. Leave your shirt off. You're all good. Anyway, how's Where it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Are you having a good day? Yeah, I am. I'm uh, uh, in New York in my studio. Just been working all day, and a friend just showed up that's crashing, and we're going to go out and get something to eat after the interview. Where is uh, your studio? Uh, in New York, in Brooklyn. It's in my house. Oh, cool. Okay, very cool. Have you, have you guys been making music over the last few months or the last year? We have, yeah. No, we, we, uh, what was interesting was that, that, that uh, time with Jim was our, basically our last time together as a band um, yeah. before the pandemic hit. And so that was the last time we were in the studio together. And then, so basically when it hit, we just started like trading files like online, which is, you know, it's, it's actually pretty awesome when we're like, okay, well, let's use these limitations to make something unique. So hopefully that's what we've done, but we're basically finished with it right now. But yeah. we're also basically sitting with it till next April. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I don't yeah. like sitting around like that. The, the, forced, the forced break has been the best and the, the worst, you know, in, yeah. in that way. Um, I mean, it's nice to, for me, it's been nice for me to have to focus on doing other things. Uh huh. But it is weird to sit on music for a really long period of time. Yeah, yeah. And it's just weird to sit on. Now it's like these songs will have been written at a time. If it comes out in 22, it's like they were written at such a different time in the world and the world's been changing and changing and changing and changing, you know? So I don't know. But, you know, you hope you made songs good enough to stand up that. But I don't know. It's just like, like I'm, trying to, I'm trying to squeeze one song on now because it's like I wrote it like this month and it's like, this is how I feel now. And it's like the yeah, same yeah. way I wanted those songs to come out then in 2020 is like how I feel about the song now. So it's like, if I, if I miss this window, it's like, well, this song's going to sit there till what, 2024 or some shit? Fuck that. Yeah. Are you, uh, you said that there were like some, some positives to working remotely. So I, I have two questions about that. One, where is the band? Like, where does everyone live? Everyone, uh, we used to be kind of spread out, but now everyone is in New York. Okay. And so you guys are, you guys are deep in the lockdown in a city that's taking it very seriously and you're yeah. sending files to each other. And what were some of the, the positives of working that way? Or like things that surprised you about working that way? There was just kind of a, a chancier thing, you know, it's like uh, we would put up because you can put up your whole Ableton session, you know, so yeah. we would kind of like be opening. It's cool to just I personally like just opening someone else's Ableton session and and like just kind of like messing with the parts that interest me in it. Like a lot of times, like with Raphael's sessions in particular, like, you know. I'll kind of like make something out of the thing that he kind of like half abandoned, you know, like and he probably abandoned it because he couldn't figure it out. So that's, that's kind of like the the trickier puzzle to solve when, when the other, he has the other things working. And, and it also kind of just made me like, I put up stuff that I probably would just would have been like, I don't know, is this a song? But, you know, I'd kind of just put it up cause it's a groove and then someone else saw something completely different in it, you know? So 
I mean, it is like we work together and in, in, in that way and we're trading stuff, but we hadn't done that thing where we just traded Ableton sessions and, and, and we're kind of used to showing each other things when they're kind of more finished. So yeah. it was like, like, we're giving each other kind of like more raw grooves with, um, it was, they were just vaguer sketches. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was just a different thing to start from. And so that made it fun. What what is the name of this song that you you wrote for the song confessional? Oh fuck! I I uh, just listened to it. I think it was all I wanted was a photograph or something. I don't know. Okay, because this is what I have the title as. Yeah, what do you have? Uh, I have chick 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 mix version one unmastered. And <laughs> I looked deep in all these emails that I could find, and Jim was like, "Oh yeah, I have no idea. Sorry." So, so we can go on record. It can, that can be the name now if you want it to be. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's, let's, I think let's go for all I wanted was a photograph. Okay, all I wanted is a photograph. And, and uh, what do you remember about the way this came together? Uh, uh, what I remember is that, you know, we made a record with Jim uh, a few years back called uh, Thriller. spelled with mm-hmm. Chicken. And, and it was like, you know, we learned a lot from... Jim, hope, hopefully we learned a lot from each other and it was a great experience. And we, you know, we don't always get to go back in the studio with him. So that when, when this came up, it was kind of like, yeah, let's do it. That'd be great. We'll just be, yeah. we'll be in Austin and, you know, it'd be just great to hang out in the studio with Jim and, you know, whatever. And what I kind of liked about it was, to be honest, it was a little bit scary. Like, okay, we just got to write a song like that yeah. day. Like, you know, like, but also it's like, a, as a songwriter, I really like to like accept every challenge that comes my way, you know? Yeah. And I I think the other people in the band feel the same. So, you know, so it was kind of like, all right, yeah, let's do it. You know, I remember I I saw you guys real briefly when you were in the studio. And I remember you saying it was a hard thing to write a song about. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, no. So my my question is, I I agree. That would be a very hard kind of prompt to write a song about. But 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 like, I wonder if you could explain and kind of non- musician non songwriter terms why it was a hard thing to write a song about well i mean it's like uh, i i mean to be honest you know i hadn't listened to it since whenever and we did it and i listened to it today and i was kind of like wow we pulled it off in a way because to me it's like i'm happy with the song in that i think it says something about the story and doesn't like tell you like and here's the story blah 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 blah, and and then the feds came blah 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 you know which you know works well for country or genres like that but you know doesn't necessarily you know work well for what we do but you know i felt like i was able to kind of like say something with it It, here's here's what i think about song because to me what when when i listened to the story what i thought was interesting about it was just that you know this guy gets some guns and the first thing he wants to do is have a photo shoot you know like (laughs) like that's that's really when you think about it that's kind of wild you know like and i thought it was you know there's so much talk these days about like you know the way that people present themselves and their photos on on instagram or what have you how how they present themselves online and and what and what that all means for us as a society and yada yada and you know and that's certainly you know what this guy is trying to do is he's trying to present to the world is like check me out you know you want to take a picture so you show his friends and he could look how badass I am, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I think that, that, you know, as far as that whole conversation about selfies and Instagram too, you know, it's like, there is a lot of people who pick up on it and kind of like an, in a way that's, that's misogynist. And, 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 you know, it's kind of always leveled at like women as, as, you know, posing like this or that. And it's like, well, here's an example of a guy 
trying to flex his masculinity and show like show that side of the hey look at me look at i'm a fucking tough guy or whatever you know and so i thought that was really pretty interesting you know yeah um yeah. and so that was kind of the perspective i tried to take with the song was to kind of like examine that like man i all i wanted to do was fucking you know prove my friends i could kick some ass and he got more than he bargained for you know yeah hundred you know? percent. I, I think as far as having to rise to that challenge I, I think we did it we said something that i felt was a cool thing to say you know i think you guys did it i i love the song that y'all made and i a lot of times uh it's very rare that people kind of do this project and they get to or choose to make a song where like you can still dance to it and i think the song mm. you guys made is like such a banger and i want to move around the room whenever i hear it which cool, I love. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I think Jim did a good job. I really like all the guitars and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it has, like, a cool, like, post-punky feel that is something that we do, but we don't always, doesn't always necessarily what we gravitate to. It's not necessarily what we are interested in now, but I think it kind of comes off cool. I, I like all the guitars and stuff. I will say that when, after, when we finished it, I, I kind of was like, yeah, we did it. We're badass, whatever. And then we, we're kind of wrapping up. Like, Jim played me some of the other songs. Man, some of the songs on this thing are good. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, he played me. He played us the one, the uh, the one about Waco. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that country band. That's is. a yeah. fucking good song. Whatever, good song, you, yeah. whatever pod episode that is, people should listen to. You should tell interject whatever episode that is because that's a good song. I yeah. was, I was blown away by that, and then I was kind of like. Yeah, this is pretty good too. <laughs> <laughs> well, he 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 might have psyched you out because he played one that the guy literally he told the story word for word in chronological order, which is like the exact opposite of what you were even trying to do. But but doesn't matter. He nailed it. He yeah. did it. That's a great song. That's a great song without the story or no. Like That's awesome. I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Corey that you said that. He will love that. I, I was a fan, man. I I thought it was awesome. What's that guy's name? Uh, the band is called Croy and the Boys. Croy and the Boys. Yeah, no, I was blown away. I thought that was a great fucking song. I was, I was really, I was really, and it has a like the secret fuck you to Waco or like, yeah. there's some kind of inner Texas thing that I, I didn't understand that was explained to me that I was like, damn, that's good too. That's so I was, I was impressed. I think the New York equivalent would be like, don't let me die in Albany or like, <laughs> don't let me die in Rochester. Right, right. Okay, okay. All right. I got you. Yeah. Well, I just have a few more questions for sure, you. Sure, yeah, lay it on me. The, the part of this confession that I like remember the most mm-hmm. is that this like dipshit 22, 23-year-old guy mm-hmm. like had the wits about him to lie to the Secret Service. He, he told them that like they needed to take their shoes off if they were going to come into his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were like, Oh no, it's fine. Just go get your prescription bottle. And that's yeah. why they didn't see the gun, which has really impressed me. I would never be able to think that well, with the law. So I yeah. guess my question for you is, have you ever outsmarted the law <laughs> in any way related to this? Or does this story make you think about any experience you've had that's like kind of similar? Ah, uh, yeah, that does seem like something I would pull. Um, let me think. You know, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting as like, as much as I disagreed about this guy with this or that, I mean, he reminds me of guys that I knew in high school who were like a little bit weird and a little too into guns and stuff. And it's like, he's a dipshit, but he's not stupid. You know, like, he's, yeah, definitely not. you know, whatever. I, I could really give a fuck about anybody and their guns, like, you know, whatever. But 
you know, my band was really, they all hated him. They thought he's whatever, but I didn't think he was the stupidest fucking guy in the world. I thought I, I, I got it a little bit. I, I got that. He's just like, whatever shit kicker. He probably is a, f- a fun, fun time to party with it, but you, you, whether you disagree with him or not, but I definitely don't want to call him a dipshit and then not be able to t- tell a time when I outsmarted the cops. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think that I've done some, I mean, I definitely, we, we, you know, I used to do a bunch of train hopping and stuff. And I remember specifically like having to like outrun these cops at this one time. And we kind of like, we got away by like going over this like chain link fence with barbed wire. And like, we went under and like, instead of having to climb, climb over the barbed wire. And I remember distinctly looking back and it was like, I felt like it was like the sabotage Beastie Boys video. Cause I felt like the cops were like throwing their clipboards on the ground or something like, God damn it, we fucking, they got away. Like, you know, like, I, I don't think they were literally throwing clipboards, but it was like some visual like that. I mean, we were running the fuck away. So it was like, you know, um, it, my, my image of, of it is pretty abstract. Like I had to just drink it in quick. Um, yeah, that's, that's way riskier than I would ever be. Where, where did that happen? Where were you when you were trained? That hockey? was actually, we were coming into New York. So that was like, like Patterson, New Jersey. It's like wherever the train yard is in New Jersey yeah yeah okay you know it's like wherever you go in there i, I forget where it's this is like you know this is 20 years ago mm-hmm. but uh i'm trying to think if there's any other time i outsmarted the cops i mean i have like basically none i've an, i've i've gotten out of a lot of tickets but not mm-hmm. from being smart i think more from just appearing like such a such an idiot they're like oh yeah this guy's this guy's not drunk <laughs> you know, like, right right um, I just, just two more questions for you here. Sure. But the first one is y'all have been a band for a long time. How long have you been a band? Uh, we started in the fall of 96. Wow. And what is the, what's the key? How do you, how do you make it as a band that long? If you, if you could give advice to other bands or what, what, how do you do it? How do you take, how do you last as a band that long? I mean, there's a lot of different ways I could answer this, but, you know, I mean, we started as a band of seven people and, you know, it's down to three original members. So if you start with seven people, maybe your odds are that you can, you can, you can have three people standing at the end kind of, but, you know, it's, it, you know, that, that, that kind of happens. And I mean, honestly, it's like, you know, we have a pretty strict regimen of, of challenging ourselves and always changing, like, you, you never change as much as you, you think you do, you know, like I'm sure that to other people, our records sound similar, but to us, it's always like a different approach and trying to do something different. Yeah. And also, I would, I would also say it's like, it's kind of like a bit like, what's that song? It's like a kid song, the make new friends, but keep the old one is silver and one is the other is gold or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's, there's like, like, you know, it's like, there's a strong base of like a kind of like family type of thing between us at the, mm-hmm. at the core of it, you know, these old friends who were still together. And, but at the same time, like every new person who's come into the band has brought like kind of fresh blood and it's like kind of freshened it, it up in a way. So it's like, you know, whoever's been in the band at that moment has like 100% been in the band and brought whatever they bring to the table at that point. So it's always like, it's always a band from where it is at that moment, you know, and, and it, as it is, today now I, th- I, th- I think that's another important part of it it's like you know it's it's like we're always acting from where we're at at that moment and 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 who's in it you know and mm-hmm. and speaking from that so um but also also and the one last other thing i would say is that like is just that it was started of like friends and it was like and literally we had the idea in our head of like 
who would be fun to sit in a van next to? Like, you know, like the definitely who the core, like seven or eight people were at the beginning. Like that was a strong time. And like, we sat very close to each other, very tight in a very small van and we didn't give a shit. You know, it was like a fucking blast. Like we, everyone was a friend and it was, it was like a good time, you know? So yeah, now yeah. we can sit further apart, but you know, we're, we're, we're still friends and the, the people who are in it now are still friends. So, and to, for that matter, I'm still friends with the people who left, but we probably would kill each other if we had to be in a van at that yeah. small and at this point in time, you know? No, I like that. That's a really, uh, that's a good answer. And that's a really honest answer too, which is that new people come along at the right time. It starts to feel like a different band, you know, you, it sounds like in your answer, it allows for like getting older and growing with people too, you know? Which yeah. Is- yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, you, it's like funny too. Cause I don't know. You just change so much. And it's like when people want other bands to like get back together and recapture the magic, it's like, man, it's a moment of like you all kind of like lining up on the same plane. It's like, it's, it's a moment and it passes, you know? Mm-hmm. So but the moment with those other people was, has passed and, you know, and we're, we're just, this is our moment with these people together. Now we're trying to make that work. That's it, man. That's all I got. Thank you so much for, for doing this. Yeah, man, no sweat, no sweat. Um, uh, I, I, I really had a good time. And I was, you know, glad to be in the studio with Jim. And yeah, and and especially now that it was like the last thing that we did before, you know, the shit went down. Then that that was a that was a good experience. I mean, we always say that what makes a good confession it has to be two out of three interesting person Mm -hmm. crazy topic or compelling topic great storyteller great storyteller so it's got to be two out of three for it to be good we got all three today i completely agree he he is the triple crown horse triple crown baby he obviously interesting dropping little tidbits about himself he's a storyteller you can tell he's like he likes a bit of a crowd. He's a jokester with his friends. It's kind of plays in a bit. He he likes yeah. kind of getting off on hearing the story again. He's proud of the story, which you can feel. And I love that he just casually mentions that he woke up in Norway. Yeah, you know, just the morning that he was telling us this confession. So, so yeah, it's so a very interesting and great storyteller. And then I mean, what an insane. Yeah, the content. Topic. I mean, I, I remember taking that confession and just every three sentences, I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> this is going crazy places. Easily the most impressive thing about this confessor confession, everything, it, is that he was able to think on his feet. Mm-hmm. I, could, I could never lie. And, and I could never come up with a lie on the spot to go get the pill bottle and be able to throw his clothes over the gun. I, I could never think on my feet like that. Especially just to like tell them to take their shoes off. It's so simple. What if they were like, okay, it, like, what if he, would he have been fucked? <laughs> it's, it's truly incredible. It's the, mo- it's the most amazing thing. If there's a, a moment I really pull out, it's that I could never think on my feet. All I Wanted Was a Photograph was written by Chick Chick Chick. Chick 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 is Nick Offer, Mario Andrioni, Dan Gorman, Raphael Cohen, Mia Pace, and Chris Egan. 
Song Confessional podcast is produced by myself, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Jim Eno, Ryland Kettery, Mike Lee, and brought to you by KUTX. If you like this podcast, the best thing you can do is send an episode to a friend or a family member or somebody that you think will enjoy it. Thank you so much.